Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending where you are and when you are listening to this. Either way, we are happy to have you here. Uh, Welcome to the Shredding for Gold podcast. I am your host, just in case you didn't know, Emily Trefkanye, and I am the host of this podcast. So, uh, very happy to have you all here and listening for episode 9 of the podcast. Holy crow, where does the time go, folks? I can't believe it. We are already at episode 9. This is crazy, but it's been so much fun. And so happy to have you all here and listening. Um, first off, before we get started, um, if you would like to hear the any other episodes on the podcast or just to check out the podcast website, um, feel free to check out www.wyexcuse.com slash shredding dash for, that's F-O-R, dash gold. And there you can find the podcast and a bit more about the podcast and all the episodes of the podcast that we have um, done thus far. Um, And also just a huge shout out because... Um, Without them, we would not have this podcast. Um, So a huge shout out to the entire group at Blueberry for uh, giving the podcast a home and helping out with any sort of technical issues that arise. Um, Thank you guys for doing what you are doing. You guys are doing amazing. Uh, So super thankful for you all. And also another huge shout out to the podcast my podcast producer, Maxwell Ivy, otherwise known as the Blind Blogger on the interwebs. Um, thank you for persevering and getting through technical issues to make sure the podcast is getting edited and up into the interwebs for you, the listeners, to listen. Uh, I know it's been super tricky, a little bit more tricky for you as of late because you of some technical issues and not having a working laptop right now but I just want to say you are doing an amazing job and so happy and very lucky to have you uh, as my podcast producer so thank you Maxwell Ivy aka the blind blogger um thank you thank you thank you um so yeah here it is episode nine of the podcast um so today Um, You guys, for those who have listened to past episodes, and even the intro episode, you probably heard uh, some jingling in the background and knew it was Darling because we've said that if you hear some jingling or someone running around crazy in the background, that was Darling. But we never really did tell you a whole lot about Darling. Um, So I thought I would take this episode to talk a bit more about Darling and let you guys um, learn a little bit more about Darling. Um, She is a very special dog. Um, She's just not a dog. She's actually my guide dog um, because I can't see. So Darling goes everywhere that I go. Um, And so she has a very special job and she plays a really special role in my life. So I thought I would take this episode to um, 
just give you a little bit more information on darling and guide dogs in general. So that's what this episode is going to be focusing on. Um, yeah, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, so darling, darling is a golden retriever crossed with a yellow lab. Um, she is five years old now. She just turned five on November 14th. Uh, and I have had Darling now for about three years and a half. So, uh, it's been a lot, it's been a long time, but it honestly, it just feels like yesterday that I received Darling. Um, and Darling is my second guide dog. Uh, my first guide dog, whose name is Olivia, she worked for for a little almost nine years and now is 13 years old she's going to be turning 14 in March and she is happily retired and living with my mom stepdad and their dog and cat so um but Olivia was my first guide dog and darling who I have now is my second guide dog so Olivia was a purebred yellow lab and she was about 60 pounds. Um, Darling is, as I said before, a golden retriever crossed with yellow lab and she's about 56 pounds. So, um, so both of these dogs came from a school uh, in the States actually. and the school is called Guide Dogs for the Blind. Uh, I'm going to make sure the link is up in the podcast description so that you guys can check out the school a bit more um, if you're interested in learning more about the Guide Dog School. But um, just in case you want to check it out now, you want to pause the episode and check it out now, um, the link to look at is www.guidedogs.com. And that's just, it's will bring you to the school like the website link for the school that both of my dogs have come from um and there's a lot of like really neat information on the the website that you could look up and also there's lots of stuff out on the interwebs that you can look up to so um i've compiled a few links that i'm going to add to the podcast uh description so if anyone is interested in getting more information about guide dogs um feel free to check out those links or if you know someone who might be interested in getting a guide dog um feel free to share those links with them so um but yeah so uh so there's guide dog schools all across united states and canada and obviously there's guide dog schools overseas as well but i'm not as familiar with those schools overseas I just know um, living in Canada uh, when and when I was doing my research that there are a bunch of guide dog schools across Canada and the USA. Uh, and so um, the oldest guide dog school in the States, and actually that's, uh, that's also the school that helped um, uh, invent guide dogs, I guess you could say, or come up with the 
the um, come up with uh, training dogs to become guide dogs. That sounds a little bit better. Um, so that oldest school in the States is actually in Rochester, New York, and it is called the Guide Dog Foundation. So that is the oldest school in all of Canada and the U.S. So that's pretty cool. Um, so before I get into talking about Darling, I thought I would give you guys a little bit of um, history of the school. Um, so basically, um, in 1946, after World War II, um, five community leaders founded a guide dog school in metropolitan New York to provide guide dog schools at no charge for individuals who were blind or visually impaired, including veterans who had returned from battlefields of Europe and the Pacific. The original office, so the original school, was located in Forest Hill, Queens. Um, so the person who helped develop the training program was a man named William Hoseman. So he was a reputable dog trainer and he was hired by the school to create a training program in the same year, so in 1946. And the first two guide dogs were successfully placed with um, two people. Uh, the one was named Vito Vero and the other was named Arthur Torgerson. Um, and so the guide dogs, guide dogs um, date right back to um, 1946. So that was like right after uh, the right after World War Two. So I thought that was pretty cool um, how it started off, uh, how that started off um, for both veterans and for also for people who were blind and visually impaired. Um, what else can I tell you here about the bit of a history? Uh, yeah. Um, so in 2003, the Guide Dog Foundation for the Blind, so the one that's uh, in Rochester, New York, recognized the need for assistant dog programs for veterans that would incorporate guide dogs, service dogs, and innovative training techniques. Uh, and so that same year, American Vet Dogs was created and incorporated to give veterans easy access to the best services possible to improve their lives. And then in 2008, the Guide Dog Foundation for the Blind became the first assistant dog school in the United States to be accredited by both the International Guide Dog Federation and Assistance Dog International. Um, and basically those two, uh, those two um, international bodies, they certify guide and service dog schools um, all across, uh, uh, all across the Canada and the United States. Um, so the Guide Dog Foundation was the first school um, well, the oldest school, uh, that trains guide dogs, and I thought I had it here, 
Hold on one second. Thought I had it. Okay. And. Hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. I thought I had it. Um, thought I had the number of guide dog schools in the United States and Canada, but it seems to have. Just bear with me for one second, folks. Okay. Um, so in the United States alone, there are 12 guide dog schools and all of these schools are considered charities. And then in Canada, there are... Sorry, guys. Should have just written, written this down. It was open, but I don't know where it went. And in Canada, there are... <laughs> Doesn't say. Well, I know there's a bunch in Canada. Um... There's a bunch in Canada, so... Oh, actually, here we go. Um, ooh, there is... Hmm, I don't know. The, I just know there's a bunch. There's at least... I want to say at least 10 in Canada. And that's just guide dog schools alone. Um, though, there's also, not only are there guide dogs, but there is also, uh, service dogs, uh, and therapy dogs. So, for service dogs, um, you, there are many different types of service dogs out there, and it, the list of service dogs and, like, like, the different types of service dogs, um, seems to be, uh, growing, uh, um, but I know from doing research, the main major service dogs out there are, they're dogs for autism, um, dogs for seizure response, hearing dogs, so those are dogs for people who are deaf, um, there are mobility dogs, so people who have a harder time um, getting around or people who are in wheelchairs. There are dogs for diabetics, so there are, so those are obviously for people who have diabetics. The dogs can alert their handler when uh, they are either low or high, and I actually follow uh, uh team, if you will, on Facebook who has, through their child, 
uh, is diabetic. And so they got a diabetic dog for their child. And it has made a world of a difference for not only that child, but also their family. So I will also, because they have a website, um, and actually they created a really cool movie recently, a little documentary with like explaining the diabetic alert dogs and how it has helped not only their child, but also the whole family and the community. So I will post that as well because that was a, that's been really cool to follow along. And uh, and the video is free to watch and for anyone who is interested. Um, so yeah, autism dogs, hearing dogs, mobility dogs, seizure response dogs, diabetic dogs. Um, there's also dogs for people who have PTSD, and I think that more falls under, like, therapy dogs, though, if I'm not mistaken, and then there are dogs that are therapy dogs that can go into, uh, uh, hospitals and group homes to, uh, help the patients in those places um feel a little bit better and give them some time give them some give them something to smile about so that's a bit of the history of guide dogs and service dogs out there now i want to kind of like talk a bit more about uh darling and the type of training that uh both darling and olivia has went through so um again i there is a video out, uh, video out there that is also a documentary. Um, it used to be on Netflix, but now it's just on Disney+. Plus. Um, it is called Pick Up a Litter, and I will also leave that link up for anyone who is interested. Um, and it sort of like follows the dogs from puppies to all the way up to when they become uh, guide dogs um, and the cool thing about that video pick of the litter is that video was actually done at the school where both darling and olivia did all of their training to become guide dogs so that's pretty cool um people ask me if like any of her trainers or if she was in the videos and unfortunately no uh, she wasn't in any of the videos nor were any of her trainers, but there are super cute puppies in the videos. I've watched both of them, the one that's on Netflix and the one that's on Disney Plus, and the puppies are so cute, and the trainers are equally amazing. So, um, for those who don't know, guide dogs actually start their training at the very young age of six weeks. Crazy to think that they would start their training so young, but that's what happens. Um, so at the age of six weeks, they are placed with what's called um, a puppy racer family. Uh, and for the purpose of this, that is what the guide dog school where both Darling and Olivia call the, these families. Um, some schools have a bit of a different name for the people who raise them and have different like protocols for raising their dogs. But I'm just going with what I know and what 
uh, Darling and Olivia have done for their training. So, age of six weeks, puppies are placed with puppy raiser, puppy raisers, and it's basically a family that is in charge of raising uh, the dog. Um, so, the role of the puppy raiser is to so obviously raise the dog, socialize the dog. Um, so bring the dog to different environments and different situations, um, as many as they possibly can, and, uh, just so the dog can get used to being at different places and going to different places, and also being, like, just seeing how the dog will react to different, like, scenarios and experiences and, how they will do um, because it's super important that guide dogs are well like super socialized um, obviously the puppy raisers don't know where the dogs will end up um, so for example in Darling and Olivia's case um, the puppy raisers wouldn't have known that both of them are going to Canada where it gets really cold and really snowy in the winter months. Um, so they wouldn't have known that uh, because the guide dog school had, wouldn't have even known who was who the dog was going to be placed with. So, But um, the puppy raisers, um, they do their very best to socialize them in as many different situations and experiences as they possibly can. Uh, and also they try to like give them like different they try to give them like different experiences so that they can see how the dog is going to react and if the dog is going to be okay with those uh different experiences or if if it's not exactly what uh if it's not exactly uh going to work or if the dog is too stressed out um, it's super important um, because not all dogs will make it as guide dogs. Uh, in my experience and from what I've done in researching, only about 50% of the litter, if that, makes it as an actual guide dog. So um, that seems like a really high number of dogs that are not making it. But... Uh, these dogs, they have to have like certain personality traits and temperaments and be able to handle all of what is expected of them. And because being a guide dog, it's not an easy job. It is very stressful for them. Um, but it is, but they absolutely love their job. Honestly, they absolutely love their job. Uh, and so it's super important that um, these dogs are in tip-top shape and they, uh, they are also being uh, tested to make sure that they can handle the job that's before them. So because, um, yeah, because you don't want to have a dog who's going to be super stressed out uh, guiding someone because that's, that's just not going to work very well. So, 
Um, so going back to what I was saying before, um, puppy raisers raise the dogs starting at six weeks of age and they raise them, they have the dogs for about a year and a half. Um, Olivia was with her puppy raisers for about a year and Darling was actually with her puppy raisers for about a year and a half. Um, just depends. Uh, I had I got Darling over 10 years ago now, so the training is, as, like, as they continue to grow, the training, like, changes around a little bit, so, um, so, yeah, uh, so they're with their puppy raisers, and then at about a, and then throughout, like, when the puppy raisers are raising the dogs, they're followed super closely by the guide dog school and they have to attend special meetings. I think it's weekly or even like monthly, but I, I have a feeling it's actually weekly and then they might get an evaluation monthly. Um, and then, so the guide dog school and the guide dog school is following the dogs super, super close and making sure things are going well. And if there's any like problems that arise, they can like, work with the puppy raisers to problem solve or uh, test the dogs and see if that the job is going to be good for that dog or if they need to uh, consider uh, another uh, another avenue for the dog. Um, because the cool thing is that if a dog doesn't make it as a guide dog um, at the school that I go to, they always, and I know a bunch of other schools do this as well, um, if a guide dog doesn't make it to make it as a guide dog um there's always like other jobs that the the dog could be doing so they always try to like find job different jobs first before uh with career changing the dog um especially if it's like especially if there's not like a whole lot but it's they just know that it's going to be super uh, too stressful for the dog um but obviously, if there's a behavioral concern or a major medical concern, they will career change the dog. And the dog will just become a, a regular dog and be, um, be fostered out to either back to their puppy raisers or to another uh, family that's associated with the guide dog school. So um, at the age of about a year and a half, the dogs go to college, they call it which I thought is really cute. Um, so basically what happens when they go to college is they get a, they get the school recalls the dog. And so they go to what's called a guide dog school. And so for Darling and Olivia, they went to the guide dogs for the blind school. Um, so they have two campuses there in the United States. They have one in San Francisco, California and Boring, Oregon. So both Darling and Olivia went to the San Francisco campus. And once they get back to the guide dog school, once, so once they get recalled back to the guide dog school or go to college, um, they, get, uh, they get to start their formal guide work training. So that's where they learn uh, the various guide dog commands that uh, the handler, that is like, the person who they will be guiding, they call that the handler. Um, that's where they will learn all the commands that we get to use with them. So 
the gut um and that's takes approximately 12 weeks if i remember correctly they they've been changing it around a little bit so it i think it's 12 weeks now it's around that or a little less than that but it's roughly around that um so it's a 12-week program and again throughout that program they get tested and evaluated to make sure uh to see how they're doing and and again if they will also decide then if the dog will become a guide dog or if the dog is going to be doing a different career or if it will be career change and become uh, a regular uh, a regular dog and get fostered out with the family um so during that time uh it's very exciting for both the puppy raisers and the guide dog school because the puppy raisers are they get progress reports every week to see how their guide dog is doing that they raise so the school is really good about letting the puppy raisers know how things are going and then once it's decided that the guide the dog is going to become a guide dog um that's when uh, the person who is blind gets to come to the school um uh to train with the 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 dog who is going to be their guide dog um so a neat thing is when i got my first dog so when i got olivia i was at the school for a month training with my guide dog and when i got darling it was a two-week program so the difference between both of those programs is that with the month-long program there was a lot more hand like a lot more people who were blind who were training to be a guide dog and more instructors whereas with the two-week program it's a smaller class but and there's less instructors but it's a lot more one-on-one training so it you could like i could customize the training to what i really uh, really needed um not saying that i couldn't do that with the month-long training but it was a little bit easier to customize it during the two-week program because I had a lot more uh, one-on-one training with my trainer. So um, that's pretty cool. And so um, another question that people often ask me is how long guide dogs, um, how long guide dogs work for? And there's no like magical number for when they have to retire. Um, There's more so criteria. So uh, so the big thing is if the dog is able to keep up with the handler's lifestyle and the handler is happy with how the dog is working, that's a big thing. Another big thing is how, if there's like medical issues, like medical things that come up that might compromise the dog, uh, and might not be good for the team to, uh, continue working together. Um, so then if that is the case, the dog will be retired and they will, the handler will have the option of keeping the dog or, uh, getting it or the dog will be fostered out to either their puppy raisers first or someone else from the school. So there isn't really like a magical number for when the, um, dogs retire, at least not for the school that I where I got Darling and Olivia from.
I know that some schools are a little bit more rigid with when dogs will retire, but um, for the school that I'm at, um, they don't have like a magical number for when dogs retire. Um, some dogs uh, will go for many years and will do very well with guiding, whereas others will guide might only last for a few years and then they might retire or get career change to a different career. So it really depends. And then another thing that a lot of people assume is that once you get your guide dog, you can just simply tell them, hey, Juno, bring me to such and such place. And they'll magically like, they'll magically bring you to that place and you won't have to like give them any instructions or anything. Um, that is far from true. Although that would be super amazing. That is far, far, far from true. Uh, so in order to like teach your dog where you want to go, you the handler need to know the route first and then teach your dog the route. And then the dog is pretty good about, um, the dog is pretty good about remembering the route. Um, so when you're taking that route again, you might notice that your dog is starting to like take a little bit of initiative and like going the route that we were doing before. So that's kind of cool. So yeah. Uh, and then with the traffic lights as well, um, your dog can't, uh, your dog isn't able to see the traffic lights. They follow the traffic patterns. And so there's a really cool thing that a lot of the guide dog schools have taught their dogs and it's called intelligent disobedience. So that means if they, if the guide dog sees, the guide dog sees, um, if the guide dog, um, sometimes if you give the guide dog a command and they see danger or it's not safe, uh, the guide dog will actually ignore that command and stay still until the danger or until this whatever is going on is safe for you guys to, uh, to proceed. So it's called intelligent disobedience and it's super cool to see, um, in action. Um, but yeah, it's, guide dogs are like super amazing. So yeah, um, if you guys have any questions, I know that was a lot of information, but I thought it would be super cool for you guys to learn a little bit more about guide dogs and a little bit more about the training that guide dogs uh, go through, um, especially at the school where both Darling and Olivia came from. Um, feel free to uh, reach out and ask. I would be happy to answer your questions and I'm also gonna uh, I'm also gonna include a bunch of links for you guys to look at if you are further interested in learning more about guide dogs, service dogs, and therapy dogs, or if you know someone who might be interested in learning more about guide dogs, service dogs, or therapy dogs. Um, there'll be links there for you to check out or for you to share. Um, so yeah, that is what I wanted to talk about uh, for guide dogs. Um, so yeah, uh, darling, I'm, I guess the last thing I just want to say is like having a guide dog has honestly changed my life a lot. So when I got my guide dog, I was starting to lose a bit of confidence and not being as comfortable traveling around in my 
community because I, at the time, I had the, I was starting to lose a little bit more vision and my eye doctor team wasn't 100% sure if my vision was going to be stable or how much vision I was going to lose. So um, I was finding that just like losing confidence and, and independence. So I started looking into getting a guide dog and I'm honestly so happy that uh, I decided to apply for a guide dog and I've been working with guide dogs for well over 10 years now and it's it's honestly made a huge world of a difference. Um, it's helped me become more confident again and more comfortable getting around in my environment. But it also is my family and friends, they see how much more confident and comfortable I am getting around in my environment. So it makes them comfortable and more comfortable and confident knowing that I have, a, I have, I have an extra layer of security with me. Um, that being my guide dog so um yeah honestly it's 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 been an it's been amazing and I'm so glad that I did um it's definitely not for everyone um and at the very beginning it was definitely seemed like a whole bunch of work but honestly I'm so glad that I decided to uh apply for a guide dog and now that I'm now I've been working for with guide dogs for quite a few years now so but yeah, um, if you are interested in getting a guide dog and you're not sure if it's right for you, obviously um, do your research or reach out to fellow guide dog users or surf dog users and ask them questions about, uh, about whatever you are curious about or even just like reach out to the guide dog schools and you can, they're always willing to uh, answer your questions or talk to you and help you figure out if, the guide, if having a guide dog is uh, right for you. Um, so I wanted to finish off by um, leaving you with a really neat uh, song. It's the Guide Dog parody song. It's Trust You Baby. Um, and actually it was created by one of the Guide Dog schools in the States. Um, I thought I learned about this song a few years ago. And it's really neat. It's, it's, a, it's a cute song. But I thought I would leave you guys with that. And... Uh, after that, I'm going to sign out and I will see you all next week. Um, so thank you again for listening to the Shredding for Gold podcast. We'll be back next week with episode 10. And again, if you would like to learn more about the podcast, feel free to uh, check out www.wyexcuse.com slash shredding dash for dash gold or Feel free to email me at trepanieremily at yahoo.ca. My name is Emily Trepanier, and I am happy to have you all listening. And please, 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 if you are listening to our this podcast, uh, leave us a review or a rating uh, and let us know how we are doing because we'd love to hear how you guys are liking the podcast so far. Um, what do you want us to change? What do you want us to add? Um, we'd love to hear from you. And we will, for those who do leave us a review or a rating or whatever, we will give you a shout out on the podcast. Um, and who knows? Maybe we'll even give you a token of appreciation uh, that could be either related to Team Starfish, which is the team that I created for my snowboarding adventure, 
or for the Shredding for Gold podcast. So you never know. Um, so leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Let us know. All right. All right. So before we sign off, here is the Guy Dog parody, Trust Me Baby. It's a really cute song. All right, guys. I am signing out. And I will see you all next week for episode 10 on the Shredding for Gold podcast.